Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on Bible themes, themes of the Bible, dealing with the overarching central themes of each book. We visited the Old Testament where we discussed the overarching theme for each book of the Old Testament. And on today's episode, we want to continue our thoughts and the biblical uh, concepts, the biblical uh, perspective dealing with the New Testament. What is the purpose of each book of the New Testament? And as we said before, the primary question or the first question shouldn't be, what does this book, what does the scripture mean to me? But it should be, what was the message that the author wanted to convey to the audience. That's number one. And in discovering the intended message for the audience, we need to ask ourselves, is this passage descriptive or is it prescriptive? So by descriptive, it means that whatever is going on in that passage was a one-time occurrence. If it's prescriptive, then it means that that particular message, that particular teaching is for all Christians. So let me repeat myself. If a passage is descriptive, it means that it was one time occurrence or it was unique for that one situation. But if it's prescriptive, like a medicine, Uh, That's one way to distinguish it. If it's prescriptive, then it means that it's prescribed for all Christians to follow. So we gave the analogies. When God worked out the supernatural act through Moses and parted the Red Sea, that was a one-time occurrence. God had a purpose for doing so. It doesn't mean that you, you ought to take that particular incident and try to duplicate it. So descriptive passages or characterizations or scenarios that the Bible talks about were for a one-time only event to get the attention of the audience at that time, and it's not intended to be duplicated. But if it's prescriptive, that means that it's binding for all Christians that all Christians ought to follow, like pray without ceasing. That's not just unique for the Thessalonians. That is uh, prescriptive for all Christians. And how do we know if something is prescriptive, meaning that all Christians are to follow? Normally, most of the time, you'll find other passages that backs it up. And all of this comes under the umbrella of hermeneutics. And we define hermeneutics as the science and art of biblical interpretation. In other words, hermeneutics is the correct way 
that we or the method that we ought to use when studying the Bible or trying to exegete, which means to draw out of the Bible what's already there versus eisegesis, which is to put in your own thoughts and ideologies and what you think ought to be in the scripture. So again, we exegesis, we pull out of the scripture what's already there and we don't try to put into the scripture what we think ought to be in there. That's eisegesis. So let us look at the Bible themes of the New Testament and the Bible themes of the New Testament. Of course, we'll uh, uh, we'll start with Matthew. But as we're looking at these Bible themes, uh, let us use it correctly in the sense that when we go to a book. Know what the book was written for. That's your primary goal and objective. Know what the book was written for. What what was the intent of that book? What was the theme of that book? And as we read in the individual chapters, those chapters are all interwoven and weaved together to highlight or to uh, support the overarching theme. So the book of Matthew. Matthew's theme is Jesus, the messianic king. Jesus the messianic king and mark mark's theme is christ the suffering servant think about it christ the suffering servant so mark does a wonderful job of highlighting jesus as not only the messiah but the christos the christ the one who suffered and isn't it amazing that we have new doctrines now in, uh, in some of our churches where we preach all of this, what I call Hakuna Matata theology, no worry theology. They want the Christ without the cross. They want the pleasure without the pain. And that's not scripture. If Christ suffered, and again, uh, we see uh, suffering all through the New Testament. So it's just not descriptive, but it's prescriptive. Christians are forewarned that we will endure some things in this life. And that's why Paul uses the analogy of a soldier, like a good soldier endure hardship. So Christ set the example. He was able to go through the suffering of the cross, but at the same time, the suffering of the cross brought about power for us to overcome our own crosses symbolically and who knows the way that this nation is going it may someday turn into a physical cross Luke the theme of Luke is Jesus the son of man what's interesting about Luke is Luke is the counterpart of Matthew in a sense that Matthew is writing to a primarily Jewish audience whereas Luke is writing to uh, a good group of individuals that were Gentiles. So instead of Christ, the Messianic King uh, or, or Christ, uh, the, the son of God, he uses Christ, uh, Jesus, the son of man. That's the theme of Luke. And they share a lot of commonalities, but for different audiences. Then the book of John, the theme is Jesus, the Messianic, the Messiah and son of God, Jesus, the Messiah and son of God. And if you look at John, uh, if I had a subtitle for this theme, it would be uh, 
Christ, the son of God. And John highlights Christ's divinity. And, and I love the book of John where it, it gives us a sneak peek into uh, Jesus uh, divine attributes. So if you want to know more about the Christ behind the, uh, the, 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 the humanist, look at the book of John which deals with Jesus, the Messiah and the son of God. Acts. The theme of Acts is Jesus, the risen glorified Lord over his church. Jesus, the risen glorified Lord over his church. And you see that all through the book of Acts, uh, where Jesus is being preached and where Jesus is being highlighted and the apostles in the book of Acts were not scared. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And God, for the first century Christians, did some supernatural things that were descriptive and not intended to be prescriptive. And the problem with a lot of modern teaching is we use the book of Acts incorrectly. The book of Acts was a historical book intended to depict what God was doing through the life of the early church. And there are some things that are prescriptive, but it's primarily descriptive. There were some supernatural occurrences that God did through the early apostles and apostles and, and, and disciples for a one time occurrence. They were not intended to be duplicated, but yet we have uh, some teachers today that treat the book of Acts like it was intended to be an epistle. If you want teachings on Christian conduct, that's what the epistles were written for. If you want to know the church history, that's what the book of Acts was written for. Will you find some uh, Christian principles and, and teachings of conduct in the book of Acts? There's a few. And we know that those are to be prescriptive because why we can back it up and we can find it in other passages of the Bible. Be careful when you isolate different teachings and treat it in a vacuum and you cannot back up those teachings with other parts of scripture. That's, uh, that's treading on uh, dangerous territories. When you take one scripture uh, in a vacuum and don't check it or compare with other uh, passages in the script in, in the Bible. Uh, you don't want to do that. That, that that's treading on dangerous territories. So the book of acts, the theme is Jesus, the risen glorified Lord over his church. Then the book of Romans, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God. And it's the same righteousness that God has imputed to us. So when you look at the book of Romans written to the uh, Confederate churches of believers, we find that uh, these churches contain both Jews and Gentiles and they had to work things out. Uh, Paul had to write to them to remind them of the unity uh, in Christ. So uh, the, the, the book of Romans is important. 
It's in the book of Romans where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto, unto salvation. It's, it's in the book of Romans where Paul gives us the uh, Romans roadmap. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love these passages. So the righteousness of God. So if a Christian is interested in righteous living, righteous conduct, Go visit the book of Romans. The book of Romans can uh, help you in uh, living according to God's word. And if you have a desire to be righteous, read the book of Romans. And all Christians should be interested in that. First Corinthians. The theme of first Corinthians is the wisdom of God as seen in the message of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Apply to the total life of the church. It's a lot of words. Let me repeat it. It's the wisdom of God as seen in the message of the cross and the resurrection of Christ applied to the total life of the church. So if you're looking for wisdom, which carries on from Proverbs and Psalms, we also find some in First Corinthians where we, we, we encounter the wisdom of God. Uh, many of us talk about the love chapter, First Corinthians 13. Uh, Paul is giving them wisdom as seen in the message of the cross, meaning that the wisdom is seen through the lens of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And that's what we should be about. Our whole life as Christians should be about seeing life through the Christian worldview, through the Bible based worldview, through the lens of Jesus Christ. If we are to, talk about relationship but ought to be seen through the lens of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the cross if we are to develop our partnerships it ought to be through the lens of Jesus Christ the resurrection and the cross if we are to endeavor into our own businesses it ought to be looked at through the lens of Jesus Christ the resurrection and the cross if we are to deal with family members it ought to be viewed through the lens of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the cross. If we are to read our Bibles and interpret it correctly, we have to do it through Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the cross. So all of our life's existence, the totality of our being, who we are, should be defined, should be looked at through Jesus Christ what he did on the cross and the resurrection. It's very important that we look at life through a Christian and a resurrected uh, frame of mind. Second Corinthians. The theme is the defense of Paul's apostolic credentials, authority and message. The defense of Paul's apostolic credentials, authority and message. And Paul knows about suffering. Paul, even though he was trying to do the Lord's work, was often uh, antagonized and often uh, followed and uh, messed with because he was preaching the gospel. There were people that were actually following Paul from places to place in order to stir trouble and cause more strife in his life. And that sounds like a lot of modern Christians today. 
when you're trying to live for the Lord, there'll be individuals that go out of their way to try to antagonize you, to try to throw you off track, to try to cause you to do things that's inconsistent with Scripture. These are individuals that the devil is using to try to stop the work that God has for you to do. So we as Christians cannot yield. We can't acquiesce. We can't shrink. We must stand up boldly. And if we read Second Corinthians, we can gain an insight on uh, some prescriptive things that Paul did that we are all to follow. Again, when it's prescriptive, you can back it up with other passages in Scripture. Galatians. Galatians theme is Christian liberty in Christ through the gospel of grace. Christian liberty in Christ through the gospel of grace. Christians have certain liberties, but it's not liberty unfettered. When Christians uh, use their liberty, it ought to be within the parameters of what God has already set for us. I always share with people, Christians can go anywhere they want to go. But the question is, what are you doing once you get there? Christians have certain liberties. We have options. We have a free will. The mere fact that we have a, a free will is an indication that there's liberties. But it's not liberties uh, unchecked. It's not liberties without boundaries. We have liberties within biblical boundaries. So to go outside of the biblical boundaries is to abuse the liberty that God has given us. God has freed us. We're free indeed. But that freedom comes with a cost. That freedom comes with some rules. That freedom comes with boundaries. Ephesians. Ephesians theme is the church, which is the body of Christ. That's the theme. Ephesians deals with the church, the body of Christ. The ecclesia, the church. We are the church, not the church building. Individually, collectively, we make up the church. The person, not the martyr, not the brick, not the chandeliers. We are the church. So when we use terms like I'm going to church, we understand it in today's modern euphemism. But the problem is many people have confused the church building with the real church, which is us. So when we look at the church specifically as the church building, then it's easy for us to leave holiness behind. When we get to church, some people seem just as pious, such as uh, they seem righteous, they seem uh, uh, holy, but yet when they leave the church, they go home and act totally different. So we can't do that. We have to make sure that we are consistent because if we are the church, which we are, then holiness must exist wherever the church is. So when you go to work, the church should be there. When you go to the grocery market, the church should be there. When you go to the doctor's office, the church should be there. When you even go on vacation, the church ought to be there. So we need to make sure we have a sober understanding of what the church is about. And Ephesians reminds us that we are the body of Christ, that we are the church, that we are unified, that we are uh, the bride and the bridegroom is coming one day for his church. Then we read the book of Philippians. 
And the theme of Philippians is joyful unity in Christ as a faithful testimony of the gospel. Joyful unity in Christ as a faithful testimony of the gospel. There is unity in Christ. And the book of Philippians reminds us that all Christians in the prescriptive way ought to be about unity, ought to be about brotherly and sisterly love. That's what we were saved for. If the world is is to see an example of what it means to be a real team of what it means to be a real family, they should be able to look at the church. And with so much schism going on in the church today, many of us have forgotten that God is interested in unity and he's not changing his mind. So that we as believers, we must remember that God has called us to establish and maintain peace, that we may have unity in, in, in doing uh, the things that he's asked us to do. Colossians, the theme of Colossians is the preeminence and sufficiency of Christ, who is the head of the church. The preeminence and sufficiency of Christ, who is the head of of the church. And I love reading Colossians. Uh it talks about uh Jesus and Jesus being the firstborn. And Jehovah Witnesses actually misinterpret this term firstborn and uh they 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 define it as Jesus being the first one to be born of God's creation. But that term firstborn as we see in Colossians is referring to uh, Jesus being first in rank is dealing with his position, not his ontology. So that is uh, a misinterpretation of that text. So Jesus is the preeminent one. He's he, he, he he's, he's sufficient. He is the Christ. He's the head of the church. Then first Thessalonians, the theme is the return of Christ, the hope of the believer, the return of Christ, the hope of the believer. And First Thessalonians reminds us that Jesus is coming back. We all uh, engage and we all will be part. We that are saved will be part of the promise that's given to us through First Thessalonians. We thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Sound Reasoning, uh, dealing specifically with Bible themes. And we'll continue the Bible themes next week. But as always, Uh, We want to encourage all of you to consider praying for us and also becoming a financial sponsor of our show. If this show has helped you in any way, please consider being a financial sponsor. And you can visit us on our website and may God continue to bless all of you as we train Christians in sharing and defending the tenets of the faith. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.